All right. Welcome to another episode of Wellness Wisdom. I'm Shannon Spears, your host, and today we have an important topic to explore, gallbladder health. The gallbladder often gets overlooked and until it becomes a problem, but today we're going to learn how to nurture and maintain this vital organ with a holistic approach. Joining me is a panel of our experienced holistic health coaches to dive into the world of gallbladder health. But first, let's introduce them. It's Kathy Riley, Jane Phillips, Sarah Beaton, and Bobby McGrath. Our disclaimer, of course, um, and definitely today I want to emphasize with our audience the importance of consulting with a healthcare professional before making any significant changes to your food choices, your healthcare regimen, especially if you have existing gallbladder issues. The holistic approaches we talk about today and the education we give you should be seen as complementary to rather than a replacement for medical advice and treatment when necessary. So let's dive in. Um, before we kind of dive into the holistic approaches of gallbladder health, it's crucial to complement the gallbladder's, I'm sorry, to comprehend the gallbladder's role in our digestive process. The gallbladder is like a small pear-shaped organ that's just tucked underneath the liver, and it plays a vital role in digestion by storing and releasing bile, which is that greenish fluid that was known as stomach acid produced by the liver into the digestive system. Bile is our unsung digestive hero, right? It helps break down fats in our diet so that our bodies can absorb them. We want to think of it as a detergent that emulsifies fats, making them easier for our body to process. Without a well-functioning gallbladder, our digestion can be compromised and nutrient absorption is going to suffer. So gallbladder health isn't just about preventing gallstones or inflammation. It's about ensuring that our bodies can efficiently process the fats that we consume and absorb the essential nutrients that they provide. Can any of you elaborate on the role of bile in digestion and its significance for overall health? Bobby? Well, bile is probably not a topic that you discussed with your friends at, or right. family at the dinner table, but it is, go, it is a very, very important food in our body. And we don't have enough of it. We really suffer. And the people that don't have gallbladders really have to kind of, their body has to do some adjustments because it's missing a, a functioning storage facility, which is what the gallbladder is. It's a storage facility. The liver makes it, the bile, you know, is stored in the gallbladder. And when you eat that, like Chan said, that, that gallbladder squeezes and it pushes out the fluid into your intestines so that it can wrap up around all of the fats that you're eating and kind of like Dawn dish soap work on the bile to, um, the bile works on the fat to break it down into actual fatty acid pieces. And so when that process is, for whatever reason, disrupted, your fat absorption, which is critical, we've talked a lot about fat in other episodes, um, but fat is what makes our, you know, membranes of our cells. So if you're struggling to absorb your fat and you've got floating stool in your stool because it's full of fat because you haven't absorbed it, you're going to struggle with um, a lot of things in your body, in particular, not only just digesting your um, fat, but you're also going to struggle with breaking down toxins because bile is actually attracted to toxins. And so if you don't have enough of it, you're going to have more circulating toxins in your body. Um, it's also designed to help with uh, when your body has 
hormones that it's used and they've used up their life and now it needs to break it down into the parts and recycle it. There's parts of it, of hormones and other things in your body that have to go out the back door and they have to be taken out in the stool. And bile is a part of that as well. So it's helping your toxic load as well. So it's not just with digestion with fats and absorption, but it's also cleaning house. It's, it's really the, the big cleaner, you know, the, the big thing that you need to have your metabolic health really. Yeah. And I think it's so important also, like we've recently done an episode on heart health and how important it is, you know, um, and the fats that need to be broken down and making sure our liver is functioning properly to break those fats down. Like it's, there's so many places in the body that this goes, right? So to make the connection between what we talked about in our heart health episode and here today in the gallbladder episode and, and its function and why it is so important for our overall health, um, I think is really key for our listeners for sure. So what are some misconceptions people have about the gallbladder's function? Kathy, can you enlighten us on that? Yeah, well, um, one thing I do want to add on to what Bobby was just saying and, and something I've recently learned is that gallbladder and pancreatic function, enzyme production, all of that is actually very dependent on the um, the pH level in your stomach. Um, when you eat food, the pH is indicative. It helps to create that that next action. It's the next step. So if you're, if you don't have proper pH in your stomach, your pancreas and your gallbladder don't know that it's time to create that bile and enzymes. So that would be one of the first things that I would like to caution people with. If they are having gallbladder issues, maybe look at their, um, their stomach acid. Um, so many people are on PPIs right now, you know, they're, they're too high as stomach acid. That's, that's incorrect. You need to have super low P, um, stomach acid and you probably need to um, maybe supplement with the HCL or betaine or use some bitter, something of that nature. Um, but maybe uh, another misconception is that, you know, people have gallbladder stones or pains or whatever, and they decide to have their gallbladder removed. That is not going to resolve your issues. Um, you really need, gallbladder is there for a reason, like we're saying, you know, the bile is necessary to break down the fats. And if you have that gallbladder removed, it is going to take some adjustment period to, um, to, function without the gallbladder. Um, it, it will take, you know, six months to a year to kind of compensate for having missing that, being missing that, um, that gallbladder. Um, so I definitely, if you do have your gallbladder removed, I would say, you know, try to eat a lower fat diet and, or if you're going to eat something that's fattier, probably you want to use a enzyme, um, a lipase based enzyme to assist in that, um, breakdown of your fatty foods. For sure. You know, I think that is probably the number one thing that happens is that, you know, you have gallbladder pain, you have different things that are kind of popping up and they determine that it's gallbladder, right? Like there's no discussion about flushing the gallbladder. There's no discussion about cleansing the gallbladder. It's not I'm like, well, you know, it's a quick, easy in and out within an hour or two, we can just go in laparoscopically, remove your gallbladder. And, you know, it doesn't really have a function, an important function. And it is such a lie. I was told that and I didn't know better. It was before I started my road of holistic health. And I wish I had never had it taken out. I have had digestive issues ever since, you know, I mean, I have to supplement different things. I cannot break down fatty foods. I literally will cough up mucus after eating fatty foods. If I don't take the right supplements to help break those down. And that was something that was never told to me. And I, it took me years to figure out why it was happening, you know, so, so important to talk about that. So, 
now that we've established the gallbladder's importance, let's turn our attention to common gallbladder issues that many people encounter. The gallbladder obviously is not immune to problems, and these issues can significantly impact our health. Gallstones are one of the most prevalent problems, and they can be incredibly painful. There are hardened deposits that form in the gallbladder, often due to an imbalance in the substances that make up bile. Additionally, inflammation in the of, of the gallbladder, known as cholocystis, so itis at the end of any type of medical term means inflammation of, um, and that organ that it's referring to. And this can occur causing abdominal pain, nausea, different types of discomfort, um, all sorts of things. So what are the key symptoms that someone might experience when dealing with gallbladder issues? Sarah, do you want to take us through that? Yeah, sure. Um, some of these, I'm, I have a list of different um, symptoms that I'm going to share. And some of these, one of my family members has experienced for years and no doctor ever brought this to our attention. So we're actually looking into it right now. But one of the top ones is abdominal pain. And this is typically in the upper right or upper middle part of the abdomen. This pain may come and go and can be triggered by eating those fatty foods that we discussed. Pain radiating to the back or right shoulder. And this happened, I mean, this is the first symptom that we saw. Nausea and vomiting, especially after a fatty meal. Indigestion and bloating after meals. Changes in stool color. So usually pale or gray or clay, not gray, clay colored stool because bile is necessary for normal digestion and the coloring of the stool. And then um, changes in urine color. So dark urine can be a sign of gallbladder problems as bilirubin, which is a component of bile, can end up in the urine when the gallbladder isn't functioning at its best. And then jaundice. In most severe cases, gallbladder issues can lead to jaundice, which is characterized by that yellowing of the skin, the whites of the eyes. Um, this occurs when there's a blockage of the bile ducts. And then lastly, if you have fever or chills, sometimes gallbladder problems can lead to an infection, which would cause symptoms like fever and chills. It's important to note too that, I mean, with the gallbladder, right, like they can mimic so many other things that are going on, even like the stomach flu and ulcers and things like that. So it's really important to make sure that you do see a doctor when you have these symptoms so that you can get diagnosed properly. And then comes a time where you can make a decision about what is the next step. Bobby, can you share some insights on the causes of gallstones and cholecystis? I think if you visualize your your liver um, as kind of a flow. So you've got this organ and then you've got flow coming in and flow going out. And the liver is meant, it is a filter and that's really what it's meant to be. And what happens a lot of times when you've got gallbladder issues and you've got flow issues, you've got lymphatic congestion, which is your garbage waste system in your, in your body. When you don't have flow, you have stagnation. So if you think of it as a riverbed that has dried up, you're not going to, you know, you're in your little raft, right? And all of a sudden you're kind of starting to realize, oh, well, there's less water. That's less water here. Eventually there's no water. You're not going anywhere in your little raft. And that's what I like to tell people is you have to have flow in order for your gallbladder and your liver to be working in order for you to be digesting your food, in order for you to be taking out the toxins in the trash, in order for you to be working, you know, having bile flow. And they, you want your bile to be on the thinner side. You want to be able to have, you know, it working and flowing. And so when you get 
stagnation in your liver, in your lymphatic system, in your gallbladder, you're going to get eventually things that are going to start to bind together and they actually will cause stones. And a lot of stones are cholesterol based. Um, but they can also be parasites too. Your body has trying to sequester bad things in your in your system, whether it's toxins or chemicals or pesticides, and it wraps it up in cholesterol. And sometimes it can get stuck in your liver and your gallbladder. So there's all kinds of reasons you can have gallbladder issues, but it basically means that your your system is not flowing and you don't have the right, like Kathy was saying, the right um, metabolism on board and the right acid bases balancing that's going on. So your body starts to just coagulate and chunk up basically. And that's where the, the problems come in is when the stagnation happens, you get the symptoms. And that's why, you know, a lot of times people go into the emergency room with a sludgy, you know, liver and bile duct. And then, you know, immediately they want to be out of pain. So what do they do? They go right in and they take out the gallbladder. We'll, we'll, we'll just take it out. You won't have this pain anymore. And when you're in pain, you don't always think logically. I know my sister didn't. And um, she was just like, I want to be done with this pain. I want to be done with this. And I, I remember she was going in. She scheduled her surgery pretty quickly. And I was like, how about we just like take a little bit of time and change your diet and do a flush and, you know, thin things out and see if we can do this. And she was so like afraid to have another gallbladder attack and to be in pain and all of that, which I don't blame her, but all of a sudden her gallbladder has gone, gone and she was having more problems afterwards, you know, that led to a bunch of other things that I've mentioned on other podcasts and stuff, but your gallbladder, you don't want to take it out if you don't have to, you know, you want to try to do all the things you can to help not get it stagnated. I like, I think I'm traumatized by looking back at what happened. My God, like there was no option. It was, we got to schedule for surgery. We're going to do this. This is the only option. Like they were adamant. It was the only option. Um, and it was just, it didn't instinctually, it didn't make sense to me. And I wish I had listened to my instinct, but of course I understand like it literally was the same. Like it was painful. It had been going on. Mine had been going on for probably six or eight months. Um, they actually had thought that there was inflammation in, in my pelvis, you know, my pelvic area and ovaries and things like that. So we're looking there first. So it was like, it was crazy time, but these are the types of things that there's a reason why we're doing this podcast to help educate our audience and really say, Hey, just stop for a second, ask questions, go home, take a few days to think about it, do some research, you know, reach out to a health coach if you're working with one, you know, and, and get that information. One, one thing I wanted to also mention, Shannon, which when I was doing some research a little bit on this too, um, which was interesting, was that when when a, a gallstone releases potentially and goes out of its little home and goes down, you know, it can get stuck in the bile duct, mm -hmm. but it can actually go up into the duct that goes to the pancreas and it can cause uh, infection and inflammation in the pancreas and actually pancreatitis because the pancreas is, is a gland that actually secretes, it's an exocrine gland and endocrine gland. So it secretes insulin, which a lot of people know, but it also, as Kathy mentioned, secretes digestive enzymes into your small intestine. And if that blockage happens, even if it's a little bit of a blockage and you're struggling with your pancreatic enzymes coming down into the small intestine area where everything's kind of getting like, you know, washing machine worked and absorbed and that kind of stuff. Then you've got here, you've got this gallstone that is now 
damaging your pancreas too. So yes. it's like this domino effect, basically. Yes. When you get going down that path, you can really get yourself into a, a very detrimental and very scary place. Um, right. So, you know, when you have those kinds of symptoms, those are signs and red flags and warnings, you know, and maybe, you know, a lot of people just say, oh, it's just what I ate. Oh, it's just what I ate. But it's like, well, there's other warnings and signs later that we'll say in the podcast that maybe those are the signs that you need to pay attention to, to be like, hey, I need to probably address my digestive health. Right. Absolutely. And that's part of the reason why it's very important when you have current gallbladder issues, right? Make sure you are talking with your physician and make sure like it hasn't gotten to that level, right? Like that's a whole new level that does need some intervention, but it's very important to focus on preventative health, you know, and doing occasional, you know, detoxification of the liver and the gallbladder, which we're going to talk about um, here and just a little bit later in this podcast. So, you know, today we're putting a, a spotlight on holistic approaches to gallbladder health and holistic health takes a comprehensive view of our entire well-being. We emphasize the importance of prevention and the natural solutions before considering more invasive measures like surgery. Our holistic strategies encompass dietary changes, lifestyle adjustments, the use of herbal remedies, herbal remedies, say that 10 times fast. <laughs> you know, the goal is not just to address gallbladder issues, but to also foster a state of well-being that supports the entire digestive system. Another important aspect of gallbladder health, finding balance between traditional medical approaches and the holistic practices. So, you know, like we've talked about, conventional medicine certainly has its place and we're not against it. We encourage it where it's needed, right? There's times when surgery may be necessary, especially when it leads to, you know, that, that higher level of involving the pancreas and, you know, anything like that, right? However, let's emphasize the importance of informed decision-making and working collaboratively with those healthcare professionals to find the best approach for your unique situation. So Kathy, how can individuals strike a balance between the holistic and conventional approaches when dealing with gallbladder problems? Yeah, one of the first things I would recommend is, of course, go speak to your doctor, your PCP, you know, and see you know, do some testing, find out what they're, what they're finding. And then, you know, look at your different treatment options. Um, you know, like we had mentioned before, you know, adding enzymes and maybe doing a liver cleanse or, or gallbladder cleanse will be beneficial. Um, again, I, I know we say this over and over again, but eating nutritious food, whole foods, fruits and vegetables, you know, that have enzymes in them will definitely help with your gallbladder health. Different herbal remedies, um, chiropractic care is another one, um, some antioxidant foods. Um, and if you are having trouble, you know, digesting your fatty foods, maybe decrease the fats that you're consuming at that time. So, you know, there's a lot of different things that you can try prior to going into surgery, but definitely you want to make sure that you have all of your options and, and have, have your education so that you know what your options are. Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought up chiropractic care because you you know, chiropractic care can address all of the nerves um, that are going to the different organs and stuff in the body. So it can help, you know, when you have the nerves addressed properly and your back is in line, all of your, um, your, your, the bones in your back and everything, your shoulders, your ribs, even 
are all in a line. It allows your nervous system that is attached to those organs to really work properly and do what it needs to do, but also to also be able to let you know of different problems rather than it being masked by something else, like your back being out of line, ribs being out, things like that. So I'm glad that you um, brought that up as well. So Sarah, how about, um, let's talk about some holistic practices individuals can adopt to prevent gallbladder issues. Yes. Okay. So first I recommend definitely eat whole foods, stay away from the processed foods. You want to focus on fruits and veggies, your whole grains and lean proteins, limit, limit the saturated fats and trans fats as these can increase the risk of gallstone formation. Consume healthy fats, like your avocados, nuts, which are my favorite, and olive oil in moderation. So you want to avoid or limit the high cholesterol or high fat foods, especially your fried and greasy foods. And then you want to drink water throughout the day, right? That helps everything, right? It seems like we're always saying drink your water. Staying hydrated is going to pr promote that flow of bile. So this can prevent gallstones from forming. Limit alcohol intake as excessive alcohol consumption can increase the risk of gallbladder issues. And the same has been said about caffeine. So make sure that you use that in moderation as well. Maintain a healthy weight, of course. Obesity is a risk factor for gallstones. And engage in regular exercise. And include fiber-rich foods. Like we said, um, focusing on the whole grains, legumes, veggies in your diet. This is going to help prevent the gallstones from forming by aiding digestion and reducing the um, cholesterol levels in the bile. And then herbal remedies um, that support gallbladder health, we are going to discuss those in a later segment, but I wanted to add that to the list. Lemon water. I love drinking lemon water in the morning. First thing, that may help support your gallbladder health. Engage in stress reduction techniques, or I think um, Jane talked about that in a previous episode, buffering. Um, so things like yoga, deep breathing exercises, meditation, and many more, right? Um, avoid skipping meals because this can disrupt gallbladder function, which is um, very important. Limit rapid weight loss as this can increase the risk of gallstones. So you want to focus when you're trying to lose weight, you want to really be more gradual about it. And that's actually going to be more sustainable in the long run anyway. So that's, that's a benefit. Limit sugars and refined carbs. Um, and then lastly, food sensitivities. Some foods that you're sensitive to can trigger gallbladder symptoms. So you want to pay attention to which foods those are and you know make a note of them, maybe food journal, and then consider eliminating them or reducing them. And if you eliminate them, eliminate them for you know a certain amount of time um, that you determine with your doctor, maybe three months, six months, and then try adding them back in and see if your, your um, symptoms might improve. Absolutely. And I'm glad you put in about, you know, limiting your rapid weight loss. So many people don't think about that, you know, that it can, it can trigger gallbladder issues, you know, because things are moving through your body so quickly and they can actually become toxic to your body when you lose weight fast. So, um, yeah, absolutely. All right. So, and, you know, like you said, there's a lot of things here that, you know, we kind of repeat over and over in episodes, but it's really driving home the fact that the more you pay attention to and take care of your body and do the things you should for your basic health needs and have that, that really good foundation of what you do every day is going to help your overall health in many different areas. 
So when it comes to nurturing your gallbladder, your food choices obviously play a significant role. We've talked about that a little bit already. And what you eat can either promote gallbladder health or potentially lead to issues. It's all about making choices that are kind and supportive to your gallbladder. So let's talk about some nutrient-dense approaches that can help reduce the risk of gallstones and support overall digestions. Um, we'll maybe explore some specific foods that can be beneficial, such as those rich in fiber, antioxidants, and healthy fats like omega-3 fatty acids. This is an area where Bobby is really, really good at. So Bobby, what are some dietary tips you recommend for individuals specifically looking to improve their gallbladder health? Well, one thing that I wanted to bring up was that about from the studies they've done, about 90% of women over the age of 40 are deficient in something called choline. And choline is found in food. Our body makes it, but it's also found in food. And it is really a big part of the digestive health and the storage that's going on, whether you're storing, you know, fat where you're where you're storing your fat. But you can get choline from all kinds of sources like beef has choline in it, almonds, cauliflower. Um, and a lot of times people are like, oh, I don't like cauliflower because it's smelly when you cook it and things like that. You know, buy a bag of cauliflower rice or organic cauliflower rice and you don't even really have to cook it. You just need to defrost it because typically it's frozen. Um, then you get, you know, get around that smell of making it. Um, beans are something that you can get it from. And uh, there's other, I, you know, other things like eggs, which kind of controversial because you can have struggles with your gallbladder um, if you're eating too many eggs. So consider that. But um, one of the things that you need to realize when you have a gallbladder issue is if you have a really high carbohydrate diet and you're stressing your liver because your liver's got fat on it, what happens when we have too many calories in our body, our liver has to find places to put it because it's kind of standing there going, okay, we got all this fat. We've got all this carbohydrates that we need to turn into fat to store it. And it, you get a fatty liver. You can get fatty liver from over drinking alcohol, but you can actually get a fatty liver from your lifestyle of just of having too much calories and especially carbohydrates. So if you're a person who's storing fat around your middle that is a really big sign that you are struggling with gallbladder and liver issues because your body's trying to find places to put it. And it's also increasing your, if you're a person that has a lot of cellulite, um, cellulite, it has a lot of different reasons why you have it genetically with hormones and things like that. But cellulite is one good kind of red flag that you may have fat metabolism issues and it's kind of one of those things that you got to work on your liver health and work on your gallbladder health. But eating a diet that is high, like I mentioned before, in fruits and vegetables with the fiber, that kind of stuff, everybody's mentioned all of the things and we know all the things and staying away from the foods that are more binding or I guess I would say the white foods like the pastas, things that when you digest it, it, it becomes pasty, um, you know, spaghetti and pastas and breads and things like that and really working on high hydration foods, fruits and vegetables being that. And like Sarah said, drink, 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 just stay hydrated, keep your electrolytes up. All of that's going to help keep your bile thin so that you aren't going to have gallbladder attacks and gallstones and things like that. And I want to talk about just a few um, supplements that can be added as well that helps support the gallbladder. Um, vitamin C is a powerful antioxidant. You've heard us talk about that before. 
and it's needed by the body to convert cholesterol to the bile acids. And therefore it's going to help um, reduce the symptoms of gallstones. Vitamin D also plays an important role in regulating those bile salts. So it's essential as well in preventing gallstones and then magnesium. Magnesium um, also increases the bile secretion and relaxes the gallbladder sphincter, which results in the gallbladder emptying and consequently a reduction in the gallbladder volume. Okay. Taurine, which is an amino acid, um, has been used for dissolving and flushing out gallstones as well. So it's an amino acid that's very easily um, gotten in your diet, can be added to your diet, um, all sorts of things. So um, there's some, some help there on the supplement factor, again, making sure that, you know, you're talking with, um, you know, your licensed medical professional about that. Um, and also let's talk about some herbal remedies. So herbal remedies are known for their potential to support gallbladder health. What I like to say in, with herbal health is, you know, any type of herbal supplement is not necessarily to fix something in your body. The natural synergistic effect of herbs is to support your body in what it needs to do, what it should be doing and bringing it back to a balance. So I really want to make sure everybody understands that, you know, nature provides us with a plethora of options and these natural remedies can aid in digestion. Um, in some cases can prevent gallstone formation. So we'll kind of point those out and talk about those. Um, but let's talk about some herbs like dandelion root and milk milk thistle and turmeric. Um, it's fascinating how a lot of these natural substances can play a role in our overall digestive wellness. So Jane, how about you help me talk about this? How can some of these herbal remedies play a role in supporting gallbladder health? Absolutely. So for a beginning, it's uh, for bile flow regulation, you want to look to herbal remedies such as artichoke leaf, dandelion root, and milk thistle. Those are some powerful players in, in that respect. And they aid in promoting healthy bioflow, as you know. And so, as you were saying before, bile is essential for the digestion and absorption of fats and proper bioflow supports a healthy gap gallbladder. So they work uh, congruently together in tandem, right? Um, and so to reduce inflammation, certain herbs like turmeric, ginger, peppermint, they have anti-inflammatory properties that may help reduce inflammation in the gallbladder. And so chronic inflammation can contribute to gallbladder issues, as you know. So in order to detox, herbs like burdock root, chicory root may support detox processes within the liver and gallbladder. And a clean and well-functioning liver is crucial for gallbladder health. That's the reason why we would do, be doing those things. Um, gallstone, gallstone prevention and dissolution. So you want to dissolve and prevent um, gallbladder issues. You want to look to herbs such as Shanka Piedra. Uh, that may aid in preventing gallstones or assisting in their dissolution as well. The, this can be important for those at risk for developing gallstones. A uh, nice digestive aid. Uh, you have herbs like fennel and peppermint and ginger, and those help ease uh, the digestive discomfort, the bloating, promoting smoother digestion. And all these are helpful for overall gallbladder health. And in terms of spasm relief, uh, certain herbs like uh, cramp bark, chamomile have antispasmatic properties that can help alleviate gallbladder spasms or discomfort associated with gallbladder issues. And it ties in with the magnesium as well. 
you know, if you can take those in tandem, that may be helpful. Um, and for in terms of stress buffering, stress reduction, uh, as you know, chronic stress can contribute to gallbladder problems. And herbal remedies such as ashwagandha and holy basil can help manage stress levels and they indirectly support gallbladder health as well. And I just want to cap off by saying uh, herbal remedies should be used in conjunction with a balanced diet, regular physical activity, and a healthy lifestyle. So it's not something that's a cure. It's something that you use in tandem with other things that are happening in your life. Just pull those in. And it's really crucial to work with a healthcare professional or qualified herbalist to determine the appropriate dosages and combinations of herbs for your specific health needs. So it's not a one size fit all uh, program, but it's something to really look to and uh, incorporate into your life. Cause it's there. They've been herbs have been used for thousands and thousands of years and they, they work. I just want to add here also that lemon oil, however, do not, you, you have to be very careful. There's been a lot of things that have gone around lately, you know, past several years of adding a lemon oil, essential oils to water and things like that. Lemon oil is very powerful in breaking down because of the acidic level of it, you know, breaking down stones, kidney stones, gallstones, things like that. However, what you need to understand when it comes to, oh, I'll just add a couple of drops of lemon essential oil. Oil and water do not mix. So when you're adding it to your water, it's not mixing up there. You're literally getting the full dose of that lemon oil. And it's not necessarily once it gets down into your digestive system, but it's on the way down the, the oil, the concentration of that oil and how much is in it is can be very damaging going down your esophagus and things like that. So it's really better to do things like adding a lemon, like Sarah mentioned, you know, adding a lemon to your water each time, you know, you get a new glass um, because the natural oils in the lemon skin are going to be um, synergistically added to your water with um, the lemon juice, the pH, the lemon juice, breaking that down and, and being more absorbable by your body. Again, that helps to break down those stones. And it also helps to balance the pH in your body, which as we've heard is very important for kidney stones, gallstones, digestive health, right? So olive leaf is another thing that supports healthy cholesterol levels. It can also help to regulate bile production and gallbladder health as well as prevent the formation of gallstones. Olive leaf is also healthy for your immune system, which ties into your gallbladder health. Globe artichoke has the unique ability to increase bile production. So we talked about making sure you are increasing your bile production and, and getting that stomach acid up. This does help to cleanse the liver and gallbladder and may help to flush out bile stones. And then gravel root. Gravel root is another medicinal herb you don't hear about very often, um, but it's been used specifically for dissolving stones, both kidney and gallbladder stones, um, and can also help in preventing that stone formation. So um, one thing I want to talk about here is, you know, we talked about gallbladder being removed and everything. Um, and I just want to talk a little bit specifically about that. You know, the liver continues to manufacture bile, whether or your gallbladder is there to hold it or not. So there's no longer a place to store it or to concentrate that bile, which means that bile is continually slowly trickling into your intestines. 
if you eat a fatty meal, you're not going to be able to secrete a large enough amount of bile into your intestines. And then, you know, the fat is going to be poorly digested. So this means people may experience things like I did with coughing that mucus back up um, because my body can't um, digest it. Or you may have things like diarrhea, bloating, nausea, or indigestion, which coincidentally are all the things you're generally dealing with when you're having gallbladder issues. <laughs> so you didn't really take care of those by removing the gallbladder, right? Not digesting fats also means you're not going to be able to digest essential fatty acids, um, including omega-3s, omega-6. So if you're taking omega supplements, your body's not going to be able to break those down. You're also going to have a hard time absorbing fat soluble vitamins such as vitamin D, E, A, and K. Um, so it becomes to it becomes very important to look at different things if you have your gallbladder removed. Um, things like bitters or foods with bitter taste or sour taste, and I'm not talking about sour candy. <laughs> talking about sour foods. Okay. Um, digestive enzymes, ox bile salts are hugely important to help break down the fats and the foods you eat. And then also continuing to support your liver, right? With some of the herbs above like globe artichoke, dandelion, and also making sure you're getting enough taurine in your um, diet to help prevent fatty liver. Because if you have, if you end up with a fatty liver, you're going to have even more issues and you don't have that gallbladder. Um, to break those down. So it actually becomes more of an issue and more likely that you can end up with a fatty liver. Um, and you may also need to supplement things like vitamin D, um, vitamin A, vitamin K, but it's a good idea to add something like an antimicrobial herb, like berberine, like Bobby talked about your gallbladder typically you know, handle things like parasites and an overabundance of microbes and things like that and making sure that it was kind of holding those and they're not floating through their system. So now without a gallbladder, they're floating through your intestines and everywhere else. And there's really no, um, there's no um, kind of a, a borderline to guard against those. So something like berberine helps with um, keeping your intestines safe from that. They have an anti, it has an antimicrobial effect to help you out. Okay. So Jane, are there any contradictions or precautions that people should be aware of when using herbal remedies? Yes, there are. And I'm going to list them for you one by one. And I want to just say I will mention each herb's contraindications as well as their precautions. Uh, again, it's also important to consult with a healthcare professional, such as an herbalist, naturalistic doctor, your regular MD, before making any significant changes to your health regimen, especially if you have specific medical conditions or taking medications. So I just want to preface that. And I want to start off with turmeric. And that has a contraindication is that it may exacerbate gallbladder issues in some individuals, especially those with gallstones or bile duct obstruction. Um, so that would create discomfort, you know, any gamut of any sort of um, issues with pain and whatnot. And so you want to use that cautiously if you have gallbladder issues. And Again, consult a healthcare professional before using. Next up is ginger, and it's generally well tolerated, but excessive consumption may irritate the digestive tract and exacerbate gallbladder issues in some individuals. So be sure to use that in moderation as well, especially if you have gallbladder problems. And peppermint may relax what you call the sphincter of OD, and that's a muscle that controls the flow of bile into the small intestine. 
And so that could potentially cause discomfort for those with gallbladder issues. So those with those issues um, definitely use caution when you have, you know, using that type of thing. Next up is burdock. And there are known no known contraindications for burdock related to gallbladder. And um, though you can still consult a herbalist, natural, naturalistic doctor or your regular doctor, um, especially if you're on medications or have, having underlying health conditions. Um, and as far as chicory root, they may, it might stimulate gallbladder contractions, potentially causing discomfort in individuals with gallbladder issues. Again, heed warning, talk to your doctor. Next up is Shanka Piedra. And typically there are no known contraindications specifically related to gallbladder health. Again, that, um, you know, the warning, just talk to your doctor if you're not sure. Uh, fennel is generally safe, but it might cause discomfort or irritation in people with gallbladder issues. So use that in moderation. Cramp bark, there are no known contraindications. Um, so if you have um, or you're on meds or have health conditions, uh, you know, give your doctor a call. Chamomile is generally safe, might cause gastrointestinal intestinal discomfort in some individuals. So use that in moderation. Ashwagandha, no known contraindications. But again, if you're on medications, talk with your doctor. Holy basil is generally considered safe, but excessive consumption might irritate the digestive tract. So keep that in mind. Um, again, if you have gallbladder issues already, talk with your doctor, you know, use it in moderation. So to sum it up, all in all, if you're on medications, have pre-existing health or gallbladder conditions, just check in with your doctor. Uh, it doesn't hurt to um, get some feedback on that and just to make sure you're doing the right thing for you personally, because not everyone will react in the same way as everyone else. So I just want to, yeah. I think yeah. it's also important to note that to also kind of get connected with an herbalist, a local herbalist yes. or yes. connect with one online. Um, you know, Jane and I have gone through extensive schooling for herbal medicine. Um, and, you know, we aim to work with healthcare providers because most healthcare providers do not understand any type of holistic remedies, herbal remedies, homeopathic remedies, or anything like that. You know, they're specifically told, stay away from them. You know, they're dangerous. And these are things that have been around, like you said, Jane, for thousands and thousands of years. And it really is time that we, we use them um, together, you know, as complementary medicine to conventional medicine to, to help people. Right. So, um, one other one that I want to mention also is globe artichoke is never recommended if you already have a bile duct blockage because it may trigger a gallbladder attack. And especially if you have, like Bobby was talking about earlier, you know, a bile duct, um, blockage, um, going into the pancreas. Okay. So, Let's, for our last segment here, um, let's talk about some detoxification practices. So detoxification, right? This is a holistic practice that often gets attention in the context of gallbladder health. I know social media, you see a bunch of do this, do this, do this to clean out your gallbladder, right? A clean and well-functioning liver is also crucial for gallbladder health. 
um, because we know the liver produces the bile that ends up in the gallbladder. So let's explore some holistic detoxification practices, including liver cleansing, gallbladder flushes. Um, these are not only about maintaining gallbladder health, but we're also supporting your entire digestive system. It's all connected. So when working on one, we have to work on another and that's going to help everything else. So Bobby, how do liver cleanses and gallbladder flushes work and who should consider trying them? Well, if you think back, if you know anybody that is a farmer, they actually cleanse their stock, you know, a couple times a year, they'll do flushes for them and cleansing them. And I know it was probably something way back in the day, you know, that we did as well. And it just kind of fell out of fashion. And I think a lot of people don't really realize it's it's not a one and done thing. It's not something you do once and you're like, okay, my liver's great till I'm, you know, in the grave. It's it's an ongoing thing. Like Shannon said, it's it's an ongoing process. And sometimes you push the gas pedal and sometimes you put on the brake. Um, and I would say for anybody that has known, and I'm going to go through a list of of symptoms, known symptoms of gallbladder issues or have been diagnosed with gallstones. Typically, they're going to do an ultrasound of your gallbladder to see what's in there, that kind of stuff. But you can go through a cleanse or a flush for your liver, for your digestive tract, for your gallbladder. And it doesn't have to be a, a big clean out like you do before, you know, uh, a colonoscopy, but it, it kind of has some similar effects. But typically, you're going to be a, a gallbladder or liver flush is going to be where you're going to be slowly taking your food down to you know, clean out your system, meaning that you're not going to be going out for a big steak and potatoes and all that kind of stuff the day before. Um, you're going to spend some days prepping, meaning that you're just starting to eat less, um, eating more high fluid foods, um, trying to really get your colon where it's, it doesn't have a whole lot in it. And then you're going to be working with, um, and Jane, by the way, those were super comprehensive information. I hope people really resonate with some of that because it's, you did a great job with that. That was in depth. Um, there's a lot of different herbs like Shannon was talking about that you can use, but there's different, you know, packages you can get, but I would suggest that you don't just go to the store or order something online and do it. Um, because the one thing you need to make sure that you, you at least have is you have an open colon, meaning you're not constipated. You're not struggling with um, bowel movements. You're not having a bunch of gas and bloating and that kind of stuff before you even get to the, you know, flush, um, because you're going to throw yourself into a, a deeper, darker place if you do that. So preparation is key, getting your um, system flowing and moving, making sure you're having bowel movements at least twice a day before you would ever want to do a cleanse. Um, I work with people on figuring out if their kidneys are flushing um, and there's a certain test you can do at home on your own to check your you know, flow with that. But typically you're going to work with something where you take one of the herbs that one or two of the herbs that you, um, that Jane was speaking about, and it's designed to soften the stones and make them so that they actually can flush because when they're hard and they're big, it's going to be difficult to get them out. So there's a softening period and then there's a flush period. So you soften up the stones with different products and enzymes and drinking, you know, lemon water and different things like that. And then you typically are going to take some type of a product. Sometimes it's olive oil mixed with lemon. Um, sometimes it's other products that actually cause your 
gallbladder to contract and it actually causes your liver to contract or to flush because it's kind of overwhelmed with what's coming through. And so it just contracts and flushes. And that's through that contraction and flushing, that's when you're getting rid of the stones. And typically they're, they're um, big cholesterol-based stones, but there's also different stones makeups of different things that your body just wasn't able to get rid of. And that's why your detox pathways have to be open. And then as you're flushing, you're really taking self-care and doing a good job taking care of yourself during that time because it is a lot of energy and a lot of work that your body's doing. So this would not be something that you just casually do on a, you know, Friday night. You got to have planned time downtime and making sure that you, you know, don't have a bunch of things the next day that you have to get up and run around and do. Um, I'm going to get to the, the, um, symptoms here. I had a list here for you guys. If you are struggling with hypo, hypothyroidism, that could be also a sign that you have a stagnant liver or gallbladder. Um, if you have constipation, nausea, um, and this is stuff that's going on on a regular basis, not just like a one-time thing. Pain, like we mentioned, your liver and your gallbladder are tucked up under your right rib. So if you got that, or if it's radiating to your shoulder, like Sarah said, um, if you're a person who really struggles with burping, gas, bloating, constant feeling of fullness, or if you have GERD, which is that gastroesophageal um, reflux. And especially if you are on GERD medication, like Kathy said, PPIs, which stands for pro proton pump inhibitor, or you're taking a bunch of Tums or Nexium, that kind of stuff. If you have a bitter taste in your mouth after meals, that's bile refluxing light colored or floating stools, hemorrhoids, um, inability to lose weight is one mood changes such as irritability, depression, dry skin and hair, varicose veins, and a history of prescriptions, recreational drugs, and especially intoxicating, um, you know, can, those prescriptions and especially drug use prior drug use or current drug use, they're going to impact your gallbladder and your liver for sure, because your liver's just having to work really hard to detox you from that. Um, so if that list sounds like you've hit some of them, I mean, I remember when I found out varicose veins was one of them, um, or a feeling of fullness all the time. I actually had a feeling of fullness behind my left knee on a regular basis. It wasn't injured. It wasn't hot. And the doctor I was seeing was a chiropractor at the time. He actually took his thumb and he stuck it right in my rib, right at the bottom of my sternum. And he pressed really hard in this certain spot. And he said that he didn't tell me what he was doing, but it hurt. Like it really, really hurt. And afterwards he goes, I just stimulated the nerve that goes to your gallbladder. He goes, you are, your gallbladder is asleep. It needs to wake up because that fullness behind your left knee is a sign that your, your stagnation, you're struggling. And I was just like, wow, that's kind of crazy. I'm glad you didn't tell me what you were doing because I was about to punch you because it hurt so bad. But um, so there are things that you can do. And I would suggest, uh, you know, definitely 100% working with somebody who knows what they're doing. You can't just fly this off the first time on your own because you will probably end up in the bathroom and be very, very much unhappy. Yeah. Very, very interesting about that. That's something I didn't know, but that's, that's very interesting um, about, you know, what he did to you. I would have been the same way. Like, good thing you didn't tell me because then I would have been prepared for pain. And probably yeah, shit, right? I, I tensed up, but he was just kind of doing his thing. And all of a sudden I'm like, what are you doing? Ow, ow, ow. And he was like, hold on. Are you breaking a rib? What are you doing? Like, just keep breathing. Just keep breathing. Yeah. 
For sure. Well, and one thing I wanted to add here as well, and thank you for going through all of the safety concerns during the detoxification process too. That was actually going to be my next question. I just want to add here that it's very important. Like you can do quick ones. Like you, you can take like a week to do a gallbladder liver cleanse, right? Or you can go an even slower route. You know, there's other options that you can do 30 days to really slowly, but deeply cleanse your liver and then do your gallbladder as well. I know I've, um, I've always been taught that, you know, do your liver first so that your liver is strong enough. It's clean enough. It's powerful enough to help with the, everything that's going to come flushing out of that gallbladder. Right. Um, so just kind of do one of the, uh, my husband and I have recently been doing a liver detox and we've been doing a 30 day one so that it's nice and slow. And, you know, there's not a whole bunch of side effects with him being a truck driver and being on the road and everything. Um, and for him, the next portion is gallbladder. I don't have a gallbladder. So yeah, I get to skip that. But, you know, I still, but I'm also, there is a supplement that I am going to take to make sure that I'm supporting the rest of my digestive system from the things that normally should go into my gallbladder, right? That are now floating through my um, intestines and digestive system and everything. So, you know, 30 days on the liver, 30 days on the gallbladder to really make sure that, you know, we're doing it right. And, and really, when you look at it, if you're doing something that's slower and lower effects and a little bit longer time, you know, maybe you just do it once a year, you know, rather than doing a quicker one, two or three times a year. Right. So it really depends on what your needs are. Definitely depends on what your lifestyle and food choices are like for sure. Um, so before we wrap up today's episode, I just want to talk real quick about our North Star tip. I hope that everything we've talked about here today has given you some fresh education, maybe a new look at your gallbladder health. Um, you know, so if you're experiencing symptoms related to gallbladder health, or you want to take a proactive approach in maintaining your healthy gallbladder, just remember that you do have options. There's multiple options out there that you, maybe you're not being told. Consider seeking guidance from a holistic healthcare professional or a health coach or um, a licensed, you know, master herbalist to help you create a personalized plan. And remember that a holistic approach considers the whole body and your mind, which is promoting overall wellness. So it's really, you're not just taking care of one area. You're really hoping to put the whole body in that homeostasis balance that it should be in. So thank you for joining us on this enlightening journey into gallbladder health today. I'd like to express my gratitude to our panel of holistic coaches. Thank you for being here and sharing your expertise and insights today. If you all have enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate us, leave a review, um, send comments to us, and stay tuned for more episodes of Wellness Wisdom. We've got a bunch more episodes for you in this season, and we're going to explore a lot of holistic approaches to health and well-being. So until next time, take care and be well. Have a great week. Thank you.